Today we're beginning a Today we're beginning a brand new series for the new year for those of you who are new. As a parish we take a topic and delve into it over a series of weeks. So, over the next few weeks we're going to look at how we absolutely need people to grow and to become the very best version of ourselves that we can be. While our culture talks about making New Year's resolutions, about getting in shape and getting out of debt and eating better and spending less time on social media, one of the best resolutions you and I can make is to surround ourselves increasingly with the right people. And here's why. If you start to surround yourself with the right people, you will find yourself making better decisions, choosing better choices, and finding better outcomes. Almost all significant growth is fueled by relationships. At the end of the day, your growth in your family, in your marriage, at work, at school, and definitely in your faith life are all based on surrounding yourself with the right people. Through scientific studies and through God's Word, we know that the happiest, the most satisfied, the most successful people learn to connect with others and engage with people in ways that build healthy relationships. What constitutes a healthy relationship? Well, one in which you can both give and receive grace and truth. Those two, grace and truth. Think of how energized you feel when you're around someone who gets you or is attuned to your thoughts and feelings, your concerns and cares, your hopes and dreams. In those moments, you feel more optimistic about the future and enjoy greater clarity about what, where you're headed. Those experiences can be good for the soul. And here's an important note getting started. We don't just need one or two people or someone from time to time to help us out, to encourage us, to support and challenge and influence and inspire us. We need a whole team of people. We need a network of people who can help us become who God created us to be and who we want to be. Just as your body needs various nutrients from different kinds of food, you need different kinds of relationships. As children, we're completely dependent on others and without any real ability to choose our relationships. Eventually, we grow to independence from others with the ability to choose our relationships. It's something we relish as, as teenagers and preteens. But to thrive and live our very best life, we have to take it a step further and learn to live with interdependence. We develop and invest in relationships in we, which we both give and receive grace and truth. While the right people fuel our growth, on the other hand, the wrong kind of relationships or even worse still, toxic or abusive relationships make anything we do, make everything we do more difficult and rob us of the joy of living. And that experience can lead to another danger, isolation. We're tempted to isolate because 
We don't want to be a burden to others. We don't want to look needy or helpless. We don't want to get hurt. Sometimes it's just easier to be shallow, to keep things on a superficial level and never really connect with others. And while isolation can be tempting, it can look comfortable, it can certainly look safer, we all know that it only leads to unhappiness and even depression. We cut ourselves off from the grace and truth we need to grow. We see all this so clearly played out in the gospel passage we read each year for the Feast of the Epiphany. You know the story. It goes like this. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage. The Magi, or wise men, were probably Zoroastrian priests from Persia. Zoroastrians, the most ancient monotheistic religion in the world, seek to understand and follow the wisdom of God through study, even study of the stars. So their appearance here in the gospel is highly symbolic, it's highly significant. Through their study of the stars, God revealed to them exactly what they were looking for, the wisdom of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Tradition says that there were three wise men based probably on the three gifts they bring. But Matthew's gospel doesn't actually tell us how many there were. He does tell us, however, that they were a group. They were a community, a community that was mutually enriching. They supported and helped each other on their search for grace and truth. Together, they go on a spiritual journey that takes them to the very source of God's wisdom. That is what can happen when the right people get together. But next we see what happens when the wrong people get together. Listen, when King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. King Herod was a really bad guy. He was a ruthless, wicked king who spent his reign protecting and abusing his power. He actually had his wife and three of his sons murdered because they represented a threat to his power, or so he thought. He was so ruthless that Caesar himself remarked that given the Jewish refusal to eat pork, it was safer to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. Although ruthless, he was also politically savvy. Herod was so highly regarded by the Roman Senate that they gave him the title King of the Jews when he was only 33 years old. He was so politically skilled that he held on to his throne for almost half a century, earning the designation Herod the Great. So, you can easily appreciate why Herod was troubled at the idea that there was somebody out there in his kingdom being called the king of the Jews, even if that somebody was a newborn baby. Herod didn't want any competition to his power, so he called the chief priests and the scribes, the religious leaders in other words, 
and asked them what scripture said about the birth of the Messiah, where the Messiah was to be born. He had to consult them because as a secular Jew, he was ignorant of scripture. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. So there the text is quoting the prophet Micah. Now here's an insight on this passage that I never heard before but discovered recently. The chief priests and scribes knew Herod's character. They knew that he would only have ill intent in asking that question about the Messiah and his birth. And yet, they cooperated. They answered his question. We don't know why. Maybe they wanted to please Herod because we know they were syncophants. Maybe they were afraid of Herod because we know he was a dangerous bully. Maybe, maybe they just didn't care what he did with the information because their hearts were hardened by his wicked ways. We don't know. <coughs> but here is what we do know. As a consequence, they were complicit in murder because Herod would later kill all the boys in Bethlehem under the age of two in a vain attempt to eliminate any chance of a pretender to the throne coming from Bethlehem. The episode is in scripture and it's called the slaughter of the innocents. The chief priests and scribes were complicit in murder, in the slaughter of the innocents because they cooperated with Herod. <coughs> it's an extreme example for sure, but it shows that if we get in with the wrong kinds of people, we can get caught up in all kinds of bad things, even if our intentions are innocent. The wrong people will lead us to the wrong things, to outcomes that are not good, or in this case, even evil. That's why those of you who are parents of teenagers care about and should care about who your children choose as friends. Elsewhere in scripture, Proverbs says, he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Anyway, the story continues. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go, and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may worship." So Herod passes on the information he learned to the Magi secretly, secretly, because he wants to try and control the situation as well as conceal his murderous intent as regards the child. After their audience with the king, they set out, and behold, the star they had seen at its rising preceded them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. So the Magi go together as a community to follow the star to Bethlehem. They were overjoyed at seeing the star, and on entering the house they saw the child with Mary his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold frankincense, and myrrh. 
As a community, they go into the house of the Lord and together worship the newborn king. They worship together as a community by prostrating themselves and by offering gifts. We see here again that our faith is meant to be lived in community. When we surround ourselves with people who are going in God's direction, it just becomes easier to go in God's direction. But there's another benefit too. Having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. Together, as a group, the Magi discerned that they were not to go back to Herod. Together, they were given the wisdom and discernment to go home by a different route, avoiding the wicked king altogether. Together, they find wisdom and direction. To consistently go in the direction God wants us to go, we need to go with others. We need other people to grow as God wants us to grow. God desires that we find the many kinds of relationships we need right here in his family, the church. Of course, God meets our needs directly through prayer and one-on-one -on -one time with him for sure, but also through other people here in the church, a community of people who love and care for each other, sons and daughters who care for one another as brothers and sisters. Overall, there are four basic categories of relational nutrition that we need to be healthy and really successful. And so, over the next four weeks, we're going to look at those four and delve a little deeper into each one. And just to lay our cards on the table from the start, we will be making the argument that small groups will be a key way you can form relationships that will help you grow. We'll be asking you to start considering a commitment this coming Lent. For those not in a group, consider joining one for Lent, just for Lent, a limited commitment. And for those already in groups, we'll encourage you to see if there is a deeper connection or commitment you can make to your group, perhaps even stepping up to lead a new group. That's all to come, but for now, for today, we just have a little inventory that you can take. It'll only take you a few minutes. Text the word PEOPLE to 88877. That's PEOPLE to 88877. And take a few minutes to complete the inventory. We'll share with you a PDF that you can use to evaluate what nutrients you have going for you right now when it comes to your relationships and which ones you're lacking in. And this will set you up for success through the rest of the series. God has made you to grow in his love. More than anything else, he wants you to grow in his love in this new year. And when it comes to growing in his love, God's plan A is simple, friends in faith. Thanks for watching. Be sure you hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful that you're part of this community.